Jesus guy, right? So very beginning of the semester, we talked about who is this Jesus guy, and then we talked about what was it like to be a follower of Jesus during the time of Jesus. We talked about what it was like for Matthew, the tax collector, to be called as a, as a disciple. We talked about uh, who Jesus is and what are the chances of him fulfilling these prophecies. We talked about how he brings peace to the chaos. And we talked about how he brings healing and he has the power and capability to, to heal people. And then last week, we, we talked about how Jesus is the Lamb of God who doesn't just cover our sins, but he takes away the sins of the world. And we've been on this journey together a little bit this semester, and our hope as a staff has been that as we talk about these things week after week after week, you will be asking the question yourself, do I want to follow this guy? Is he the kind of person that I want to walk after? Is he the kind of guy I want to become like? Is he important to me? And maybe some people in this room have decided, you know what, maybe for the first time, yeah, I'm in. And I want to follow this Jesus guy. Or maybe, maybe for you, maybe you've been like, you know, I've been, I know this Jesus guy, we've been following him for a while, but maybe as a result of some of these things we've talked about, you say, maybe I want to be a little bit more intentional, a little bit more passionate in, in how I am following Jesus. Tonight, what we want to do is we want to take some time to, to talk about the disciples that Jesus selected, the disciples that he, that he called. Um, so, let's take a look at their lives, shall we? If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We're going to just take a little bit of a, a look into the lives of who were these guys that Jesus called. And then as a result, we'll kind of talk about what are the implications for us today here as Grand Valley students in 2014. So Matthew chapter 10, uh, just verses 1 through 4. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the word of the Lord. So what I want you to do right now, I want you to take just a couple of minutes, turn to three or four people around you, and just looking at those four verses, what are some of the things that you notice? Or what questions do you have? Or why do you think, maybe the bigger question is, why do you think Jesus even calls disciples in the first place? Okay, so... What are some things that maybe jumped out at you looking at those four verses, and why do you think Jesus even calls these people in the first place? Go ahead.
Okay. So I want to know a couple of, what are some things that you noted in those four verses? What things maybe stood out to you, observations you had, something like that? We'll start there. Anything? They're all men. Okay. It's a cultural thing. No offense against the ladies here tonight, but it was a cultural thing back then. It's a good observation. That's great. You kind of made an observation of the types of people that he selected to be his disciples, and they weren't necessarily the, the cream of the crop, but maybe the dropouts of the people who were, maybe didn't have a lot of best friends in the community. Good. Somebody else? We'll talk more about that in a minute, by the way. Anybody else? There's 12 of them. Okay, so... Uh, why do you think there are 12 disciples? Is that a significant thing? Somebody? Oh, right. So they're in the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? So God, in the Old Testament, God has a people group, the nation of Israel. Their, their life purpose, their mission is to be a light to the nations. And there are these 12 tribes, and these 12 tribes made up the nation of Israel, and these 12 tribes were to be a light to the nations. Most scholars are confident that Jesus selects 12 disciples very specifically because they, as a community, are to be a light to the nations, as were the people in the Old Testament. Very good. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, why do you think Jesus called disciples in the first place? Let me ask that question. I mean, I kind of answered why, the, why 12, but why anyway? I didn't hear that, sorry. Good planner? Yeah, good. it was a good plan. All right, somebody else. Did I say that wrong? Okay, okay, just making sure. Any other, any other guesses why Jesus selected disciples? To show that anybody can be a follower of him. Is that what you said? Yeah. To carry on his message. If you recall, beginning of the semester, we talked about what it was like to be a disciple of a rabbi. And their goal, more than anything else in the whole world, was to become like their rabbi. As disciples, they want to become like their rabbi. Mark 3 says Jesus selected these disciples in order to be with him, to be around him, to get to know him, in order to emulate him and, and pick up on his mannerisms. I have a son right now who is picking up on some of my mannerisms. I'm getting this discipleship thing more than I ever thought I would. I mean, okay, watch what I say here because he's repeating every word I'm saying, and he wants to do things just like daddy does them. And it's awesome, but it's scary to me. This is kind of the picture of what's going on. So what I want to do tonight, I want to ask the question, but who are these guys? Okay, there's this nice list. We know a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But when I, when I, when I, heard, this, um, when I heard this teaching or heard this concept from somebody else, uh, 
a little while ago, it blew my mind when you kind of put it all together. So what I want to do is I want to kind of talk about who these guys were, and I need some help tonight. I need 12 volunteers to come on up here. Not all at once. All right, come on up. 12. I need 12 people. Let's go. 12. All right, we got one, two. Come on up. We need 12 people. Come on up. Anybody can come on up. Even if you're in the middle aisle, come on. Make, make your way around. Come on up. We need, we need a few more. Come on up. Come on up. All right, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Perfect. Sorry. Thank you. Two, four, six, eight, ten. No, I needed you. I needed you. I counted you. Come on up. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Perfect. Okay. Why don't you guys go up to the, 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 the top step? Not the stage, but the top step. All right? Okay, so if you guys have your, your text open, we're going we're gonna to talk about who these disciples were for a minute here. All right, we got Simon Peter, Andrew... James, John, Philip, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, we got Matthew, we have James, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, sorry buddy. No offense. Just the order of how it happened. All right. Okay, so let's talk for a minute about who these people were, okay? So we have Simon, Peter, and Andrew. We talked about this earlier this semester, but let's read the story again of when Jesus calls these guys. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. All right, you guys are brothers. Good job. You guys can, like, put your arm around each other or something like that if you want to. Okay, they're brothers. They're hanging out. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, uh, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Okay, so we have Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Two sets of brothers, right? And what are they doing? They're fishing. Okay, very good. Uh, the next guy is Philip, okay? We have a lot of ladies up here, but that's, that's great. We like that. Okay, so the next, brother is, or the next guy is Philip. Now, we don't know a lot about Philip as far as like when he was... Um, we don't, know, we don't know a lot about Philip. We know, we know some things. We know that he is from Bethsaida. We don't know for sure what his occupation was. But these guys are also from Bethsaida. And Bethsaida means house of the fishermen. So it's likely that Philip, was, who was from Bethsaida, was also a fisherman. Okay? So we have these five guys here who are fishermen. So what I'm going to need you guys to do is periodically for the next few minutes, pretend that you guys are fishing, okay? So whether you're casting a net or reeling in a fish or you're casting a line, reeling in a fish or throwing a net, something like that. So you guys can just, we have fishermen. Why don't you just scoot over just a touch so we know that you guys are like these five, okay? 
What do we know about Thomas? Thomas was a little bit of a doubter, okay? So he doubted Jesus. He doubted the resurrection later. Uh, Thomas is also called Didymus, and Didymus actually means twin. So Thomas apparently had a twin, was a twin, but we don't really know much about who that twin was. Sorry, we're not going to say a lot about who you are tonight, but there you go. There's Thomas. All right, Bartholomew or Nathaniel. Nathaniel is from a town of Cana. Can you go to the map? I don't know where the map is. The map next? What's next? Okay, the map. Okay, so you can see Bethsaida is on the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee. Um, and that means house of fishermen. Cana is way over on the left. Nathaniel is from Cana. What happens at Cana? Anybody know? Water to wine. It was Jesus' first recorded miracle. He's turning water to wine. That happens in Nathaniel's backyard. Who knows if Nathaniel was there? Who knows if it was Nathaniel's wedding? We don't really know. But Nathaniel, we are glad that you are part of the 12 disciples. Okay? Uh, next, we have Matthew. What do we know about Matthew? He's a tax collector. And what do we know about tax collectors? They were hated. Why were they hated? Because they take your money. Okay, so we got a dealer up here. All right? He's got a wad of cash. Uh... I know how much that is, and I will get that back later. Okay? So Chris talked, about, Chris talked about this story specifically a few weeks ago. Okay? Tax collectors. Matthew, first of all, was from Capernaum. You can see that on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee there. Tax collectors would have to put a bid in to become a tax collector through a contract with the Roman government. And basically, the highest bidder would get the job. Okay, so you would say, hey, I want to be a tax collector, or I want the contract over this part of, the, part of the world, this part of the region or whatever, and the highest bidder would get the job, and in order to be able to pay off that, you would actually ha have some sort of surcharge, and you would, as you're collecting taxes from the Jewish people, Rome's in charge, as you're collecting taxes from the Jewish people, you're saying, hey, I need a little extra to cover for what I couldn't afford earlier. Some scholars say up to 70% is what was taxed. So the 6% thing that we have going on here in the state of Michigan, not so bad. Can you imagine 70% tax by a guy who was like making a, a lot of money off of it? Okay, so then we have Matthew. Okay, so then James, son of Alphaeus, actually brothers with Matthew. Okay, so you guys, are, you guys are buds, all right? Then we have Thaddeus, also known as Jude. There's a couple different names for some of these people based on the language, okay? So sometimes it's in Greek, sometimes it's in Aramaic, sometimes uh, it's in, I'm blanking on the other one right now, but that's okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then we have Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, okay? What is Judas known for? Who thinks Iscariot is his last name? Okay, so we usually think Judas Iscariot must mean that's probably his last name or some sort of way to identify him. It's, it's actually Ish, say Ish, Kiriot. Ish means man, and Kiriot is the name of a city. Okay, so Judas is a man from the city of Kiriot. Kiriot is a little bit south of Jerusalem, about 20 miles or so. And Kiriot was known as a zealot city. Okay? So we have Simon the Zealot 
and Judas Iscariot, who was also likely a zealot. We don't know that for sure, but likely. Who were the zealots? Okay, the zealots were also stationed in Gamla. You can see that up here on the map, top right. The zealots were religious fanatics. They loved God, they loved this book, and they wanted to do anything and everything they could to make sure that people were upholding this book here. They actually, um, they believed that there was one God, they served Him alone, and top commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Second commandment, no idolatry. At all other costs, no idolatry. We serve God and Him alone, and if you're not doing that, based on a story that takes place in Numbers 25, Phineas, who is a priest, actually spears some people who are disobeying God. They looked at that story and said, hey, God must really like that. God must honor that. So zealots actually carried around these little daggers. Okay, you get these nice plastic knives here. Okay, there are these curved daggers that they would hide in their cloaks. And anybody who was partnering with Rome or um, not really upholding this book here, they would literally assassinate them in public. Okay, so you got this little knife hanging out in your cloak, and I know you're kind of liking the Romans, and I'm just going to come up behind you, stab you in your heart, and just keep walking. Tuck it back in. Keep going. This is what the zealots were known for, okay? Ruthless religious fanatics. Okay, so we have three sets of brothers, Simon and Andrew, James and John, and we have Matthew and James. We have five of these folks who are fishermen. We have a tax collector. And we have a couple of zealots. Act angry or something. There you go. That's <laughs> ferocious. Okay. Do you think when Jesus calls these 12 disciples to come together, do you think, man, this is just a natural band of brothers. They all really liked each other a lot. Now think about this for a second. Okay, you have five fishermen. The fishermen do not like the tax collectors. Why do the fishermen not, not like the tax collectors? Because fishermen, they were, they were the tough, blue-collar, hard-working guys, kind of like the construction workers working outside in the winter in Michigan. I mean, tough-as-nails kind of people. They would fish at night. They would fish all night long. And then in the when dawn would come, they'd go to the shore and they would try to sell their fish in the market. They didn't have ice in the ancient world, so they wanted the fish as fresh as possible to be sold in the market that day. So they'd fish all night, try to sell in the morning. They would come to the dock and there would be a tax collector sitting there. All right, great job, guys. You caught 100 fish. Well done. Uh, we'll have 50 of those go to Rome. I'll take 20 for me. You guys can keep 30. The fishermen were not exactly friends with the tax collectors, okay? Uh, the zealots didn't like the fishermen, okay? You guys don't like the fishermen because they believe the fishermen are, are paying these taxes to Rome when they shouldn't be. The fishermen are saying, hey, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to just pay our taxes, whatever. So they're paying these taxes to Rome, and the zealots are saying, you are... Uh, committing idolatry by paying these taxes because 
God is God, not Caesar. And that was actually a coin in the ancient Roman world that said Caesar is God. And that was minted on the coins. And so the zealots were like, we don't deal with that money. We don't pay, we don't pay these tributes to Caesar. So the zealots also don't like the fishermen because they believe the fishermen are compromising. Uh, the zealots also don't like the tax collectors. Why do you think? Because nobody likes tax collectors. <laughs> because the tax collectors are ripping everybody off. And the tax collectors are, are in partnership with Rome more than anybody else in this group specifically, right? They're the ones that are collecting the money with the coins and saying Caesar is God. So the zealots don't like the tax collectors. And the tax collectors don't like the zealots. Why? Because they're fearing for their lives. Jesus calls these 12 men to come follow him. And somehow they had to figure out how to get along. Isn't that interesting? All right, let's thank our volunteers. Thank you. You can just set the signs down anywhere. It's fine. You can set the signs down anywhere. Can you feel, can you feel the tension? Okay, so James, Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Philip, maybe they were selected by Jesus first. Then all of a sudden they're hanging out with Jesus and Jesus goes to Capernaum and he picks up Matthew. <laughs> oh, Jesus, not this guy. Do you know how much money this guy has taken from us? Feeling the tension of who these people were that Jesus selected. I don't think they could have been more different economically, socially, religiously. I mean, the zealots, the way they practiced their faith and lived out their faith was very different than the fishermen and very different than the tax collectors. Jesus took very different people, took these 12 guys and trained them to figure out how to become one team. Taught them to get along, taught them to depend on each other, stand up for each other, get each other's backs. And I feel like if, if these 12 guys can do this, I feel like anyone can. If these guys can figure out how to get along, I feel like we should be able to figure out how to get along. What might this look like in our world today? What kind of team has to band together to become one, one unit? Last night, uh, Stacy and I got back from a trip down south, and we walked in our house, and our, our smoke detector was beeping uh, because the battery was, like, dead. And I was like annoyed it's 10 o'clock the thing doesn't stop beeping but I got to figure out how to change it got to find a nine volt battery which we don't really ever have those laying around you know um anyway fixed that went to bed about 1 30 in the morning Stacy wakes me up and there's a fire 
at the neighbor's house across the street. And there were five fire engines outside. And the place was totally engulfed in flames. I want to show you a couple pictures. So I got up, I went outside about 1.30 in the morning, and I just stood out there and I watched these firefighters. You can go to the next slide. And I just thought, I mean, A, I was just totally devastated by, uh, this is right across the street from us. So I was devastated for our neighbors and their loss. Nobody was home, so nobody was hurt. Um, but as I watched these firefighters, I thought, what were these guys doing when they got the call? Probably sleeping. And where did they come from? They're, they come from all over the place, and they come to this one house, and they figure out how together as a unit, even though there's five fire engines, we're going to figure out how to do this thing together. And they became a team. These 12 disciples had to figure out how to work together, how to become a team, how to become one unit. As different as they were, as an eclectic, diverse group as they were, they had to try to figure it out. Or maybe becoming, maybe becoming one team looks something like this. Go to the next slide. <laughs> or maybe it's something like this. Remember the Titans. Great movie. Or maybe it's this. Very different people with very different gifts, very different backgrounds, trying to figure out how to come together as one unified team. This past summer, I had the unbelievable privilege of going on a backpacking trip uh, out west in the Tetons. You can show the next picture. Uh, Jackson, Wyoming, Tetons, he's a Young Life backpacking trip, and these are the people that were on that trip, and it was awesome. I mean, the pictures that we took were really fun, but they don't even compare to what we actually got to see with our own eyes. And as we walked, and as we hiked, and as we tried to figure out how to survive five days uh, in the wilderness with just the things on our backs, as we tried to figure out how to trudge through miles of snow, up and down mountains, sliding, literally sledding down mountains together, sharing stories, sharing our lives. Um, day, let me see, let me think about this. Day four, we, were, we just finished our highest elevation. And our friend Sarah Keen, coming down the, the deepest, or the, the steepest, highest point of elevation, somehow twisted her ankle. And she couldn't do it anymore. She tried valiantly. She worked really, really, really hard. She powered through a lot of pain. We tried to get her you know, a little crutch, whatever. Eventually, it just wasn't going to happen. The only way for her to get out of the wilderness was to literally have people carrying her. And so for the next two days, we had different people taking turns sharing packs, carrying two packs, carrying a person. And it was, I think everybody on the trip would say, this was the hardest thing we've ever done. And also, 
in a weird way, one of the most rewarding. Because the community was so rich and so deep, and anybody would have done anything for anybody else in the group at that point. Jesus called his disciples as individuals into a community. Calls Peter, he calls Andrew, he calls James, he calls John. He, he went to them individually and said, hey, you, come follow me. And then he also went to Matthew, the tax collector. And then he also went to Judas and Simon the Zealot and Thaddeus and Nathaniel. And he said, hey, you guys too. You guys, I'm calling you individually to come and follow me and be part of this community. Jesus calls disciples as individuals into community. What does this mean for us? What does this look like? Why is this important? Tonight when you came in, you received, hopefully, a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, if you have not received one of those, you can raise your hand and maybe we can help you out here a minute. Here's what I want you to do, okay? We're going to take a minute or two or three, and we're going to put some puzzles together. All right? This is going to be a good time right here, okay? So here's what we're going to do, okay? Uh, we have puzzle frames arranged around the room, okay? So on the back of your piece is a number, okay? So we have one, two, three, four, five in the back, uh, right by the wall over there, six, seven, eight, nine, and then ten right here in the middle. Uh, what I want you to do right now is I want you to go do your puzzle together. On your market set, go. Sorry. One's right here. Who is, who's got a one? You got a one? There you go. Ones are here. Two, three, four, five in the back by the exit. Six in the back corner over there. Seven, eight, nine. And then ten is right here in the middle. Feel free to move your, your puzzle board where you, if you need to to get more people around it a little bit. It's going to take a minute.
We got one over here. Hold it up. Let's see it. Let's see it. When you're done, hold it up so we know you're done. Oh, that's beautiful right there. Beautiful. Good work. Keep going, guys, and hold it up when you're done. We got another one back there. Let's see it. All right, well done. We got another one over here. What's it look like? Beautiful. That's that's good work right there, folks. You're done. You think you're done, but we're missing some pieces. Okay, I'll. I'll perfect. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's perfect. Any other number one pieces? You need one more piece over here. Okay. You guys done over there? You got it? Is it complete? Let's see it. Oh man, you guys are doing a great job. All right. Okay, so here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to talk with your group for just a minute. What are the implications of this? What are the implications for community based on what we talked about tonight and based on Whoops, this right here. All right, so keep talking. You can keep playing the music, Patrick, and then we'll, uh, we'll unpack that in a second. What are the implications for community based on what we talked about tonight? All right, celebration is one of them. I feel thorns where my crown was. I'll be weak, but I'm alive from the dust Cause I got sweet victory Nobody can take it from me Sweet victory Cause I got sweet victory Yeah You see me live I know you see me live You can't tell on these CDs Well bro I'm knee deep in I'm waiting in my weakness He may be deep in Okay Patrick you can cut the music for a second why do you think Jesus called disciples as individuals into community? Why do you think? Somebody raise your hand. All right, back here, way in the back. They all have unique characteristics that they bring to the table. Very good, right here. They're all different. But once they come together, they bring their gifts, they bring their passions, they bring their, and it becomes a unified team. All right, what else? You get stuff done. All right, what else? Why does Jesus call, call disciples as individuals into community? Right in the back. To support each other. The way we, the way we had to support our friend Sarah on the backpacking trip. We got to figure out how to support each other. Let me tell you something. This is why I hate puzzles. I love team number one right here. But what's wrong with this picture? It's missing some pieces. Right? It's missing two pieces. Every piece to the puzzle matters. And it's inevitable in a puzzle that somehow you lose a piece along the way and it ruins the whole picture. You no longer want to do this puzzle because it's missing a piece. 
right? As a community, every single piece to the puzzle matters. And let me ask you this question. Which of these two pieces is more important than the other? Trick question. Neither. A piece is a piece. Somehow in Christian community, we, we, we try to like judge other people or we, we try to measure up other people and we try to figure out who's a better Christian than the other person and we think, well, they're not as, they're not as spiritual as I am and so they're probably not as important as I am. No, every single piece to the puzzle matters. Look how good I am sitting here over by myself. Jesus calls disciples as individuals to be a part of a greater community. Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling me. Jesus is calling us as individuals. He's saying, hey, you, come follow me. Hey, you, come follow me. Hey, you, I think you have what it takes to be like me. But it's not just a, it's not just a me and Jesus relationship. I hear people say this all the time. I like Jesus. I don't really like the church. You don't think you need community? You think, you're, you think it's just okay for just you and Jesus? I understand that to a point, but Jesus calls disciples as individuals into community. Repeat this phrase after me, and then we'll, uh, then we'll sing some songs. The community... Let's try that again. The community... Is more, is more important than just, me. than just me. Let's try that one more time. The community, the community is, more is more important than just me. So let's try to figure out how we in campus ministry can be this kind of community. Whether you're in a life group, whether you're not in a life group, how can we be this kind of community for this greater community and for the greater Grand Valley community and ultimately for the world. Amen? Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, we are thankful that you called broken, screwed up people like Peter and Andrew and James and Matthew and Simon the Zealot and Judas and Thaddeus. And we're thankful that you called each of them as individuals into community and that you used each of their gifts and each of their passions and each of their stories to impact your world. And we are here tonight having this conversation because somehow these 12 misfits figured out how to get along and figured out how to love each other and care for each other and get each other's backs. I pray, God, that you will help us as the campus ministry community that we can do the same. That we can figure out how to love each other deeply and care deeply about one another's needs and carry each other's burdens so that your name and your kingdom will be known all over the globe. Pray these things in your name. Amen.